Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here for the Know Your Foe episode this week, the Los Angeles Rams coming to town under much different circumstances than our last meeting in 2019, the Ravens' playoff uh, lives hanging in the balance. Joining me to talk about the Rams is Jake Ellenbogen. Jake, how are you doing? I am great, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, uh, excited to talk about the Rams. Yeah, pleasure, pleasure to have you. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we may wallow in our own misery a little bit hearing about what the Rams are doing right now. I know they have a great receiving <laughs> core. Uh, first of all, tell folks where they can find your work and find you on Twitter. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can follow me, follow me on Twitter at uh, JK Bogan. Um, really, I just tell people to go to the link there. Uh, it's uh, Linktree and all of my work is there. But um, I do. I am from uh, Downtown Rams. That is my company. Um, I write for the game day and I have a YouTube channel as well. So that's pretty much my work. But the actual links, you can uh, check it out on the page there. All right. Very cool. Uh, always worth it to go into uh, opposing links before the game and, and after as well. You know, we, we lose track of the NFC teams a lot, frankly. So let's let's start get right into the Rams uh, season this year. And, and we want to talk about, uh, first of all, some of the offseason changes uh, for the Rams and, and how did this team develop during the season? So let's start with offseason changes in terms of the big moves that the team made. Well, yeah, I mean, we were just, you know, right off and, and going uh, like really right after the season, right after the Rams were eliminated by the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs in January uh, of this year. Um, the Rams did not waste much time at all. It was really before the Super Bowl to agree to a deal with the Lions uh, to acquire Matthew Stafford. And that was really what the identity of the offseason was built around. You go out, you get your quarterback. There's no, uh, you know, surprises. If people were paying attention, you know, Jerry Goff has not been the same quarterback since his days of 2017 and 18, where you could see there was a lot more, uh, you know, confidence in him. Uh, the offense was clicking and they were, you know, on the way of setting sort of, you know, not necessarily setting records, but in that realm of possibility. Uh, whereas you look at the 2019, 2020 offenses and they just weren't that. And so once it became apparent, you had to trade away Brandon cooks because he became a fifth, you know, $15 million paperweight since mm-hmm. they couldn't, you know, throw the deep ball. Uh, I think it was really apparent that they were going to make this move. And so really the glass shattered um, and he played very well. I will add, of course, against green Bay, uh, in that playoff game, but the glass shattered for McVay when Jared Goff went down and he found out what it was like to have a quarterback that could move around in the pocket and show mobility. And that was when John Wolford, uh, who was only even getting this opportunity because of the way he played in the AAF, which no longer exists. Uh, you know, he signed on as the backup quarterback for the Rams worked his way. And uh, he actually won a game in which if the Rams not knowing what would have happened with the Bears and Packers ahead of time, but going into that game, the Rams were thinking, you know, if they don't win that game, there's a chance that Arizona and Chicago gets in the playoffs. And the Rams were in a must-win situation uh, mm-hmm. regardless of that game. So Wolford comes in, they win the game, and Sean McVay saw his mobility from the get-go. Uh, so he becomes the starter. He's going to go ahead, use Wolford against Seattle. He gets hurt. Goff comes back. They tried to patch things up. They won the game against Seattle. Really, you know, McVeigh was trying to get somewhere where he had never gone because defenses were selling out to stop that. And they, you know, really the blueprint, uh, rather, was out there because of guys, you know, incredible defensive minds, uh, like, of course, Vic Fangio, for instance, who really set the blueprint on how to stop McVeigh's offense. Realizing that he needed to change it up, he's like, you know, Jared Goff had to get to that level. He was unable to do that. So they go out and they acquire Matthew Stafford. It opens up everything for the offense because you have two receivers in Robert Woods and, you know, Cooper Cup. Have you heard him yet? Yeah, uh, yep, we've heard of him. <laughs> you know, those two guys, they led the league last year in yards after the catch. Very impressive. 
but it also shows you know the the average uh, depth of you know throwing target, so to speak. Uh, was in the the lower portion of the league with mm-hmm. Jared Goff. That means they really weren't taking deep shots. They were still in, in the top 10 in that regard um, in explosive plays, but they weren't taking the deep shots. So they go out and get Matthew Stafford. And, you know, this is, it's been a big thing for their, their offense moving forward. And this is what the, the whole offseason was about, getting McVay what he wanted the whole time. All right. Well, Matthew Stafford, of course, huge acquisition. You make a, you make the point about yards after the catch, a very flawed statistic. Uh, you know, you, you can you can get a lot of over the top yards after the catch, and people kind of look at that. But you, you pick up a lot more yards after the catch as a percentage of total yards on screen passes, for example, where it's yards behind the line of scrimmage. Ray Rice, in fact, has had years where his receiving yards were greater than his sorry, his yards after the catch were greater than his receiving yards. Yeah. So the exactly. average, yeah, average you know, catch can be negative. All right, outstanding stuff. Um, let's move on and talk a little bit about the uh, other moves they made and and uh, other free agent moves, draft moves. Obviously, the Stafford acquisition was the big one. Yes, the Stafford acquisition, uh, you know, takes the cake in the off season. Obviously, we weren't aware then that they would then go on to trade for Von Miller. Odell Beckham Jr. would fall into their lap. But before the season started, they really felt like they needed a deep threat. I'll be honest with you. I didn't feel like they did. And I think Van Jefferson's kind of proved that the second year uh, receiver, second rounder out of Florida. Uh, But when you look, you know, Deshaun Jackson had that connection with Matthew uh, with, uh, you know, Sean McVay going back to his days in Washington. He coached him as the OC there. Uh, So it made sense. I, I didn't hate the move. Um, but they did want to go out and they wanted to get, uh, you know, some deep shots, some deep, you know, options for Stafford. Now having that, you know, it was like Sean McVay was, uh, you know, a kid in a candy store. And then we found that out even in the draft. They go out and they draft Tutu Atwell to shock everybody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not having a, a premium of picks and, you know, drafting a receiver who many would say is a, a gadget guy, a one trick pony. I would disagree but we're not going to know because unfortunately, you know, his season was cut a little short and they just have so much depth at the receiver spot. Okay. So I wanted to ask you about the draft in particular, because Tutu Atwell, they didn't draft him until pick number 57 and the Rams, you know, well-known among all NFL <laughs> teams, I think haven't had a first round pick in pretty much forever and won't for, for several more years, right? 20, when did they get their next number one? 24? Uh, 24. Five potentially five okay maybe 24 at this i've run out of (laughs) okay so it's been it'll be like eight years or something without a number one pick for the rams and obviously it's a method of franchise building i kind of associate with old redskin teams of the 1970s uh george allen used to always trade away his his picks uh it uh, uh it's it's a way to build a franchise it's it's very yeah. unravens like and that's why you know coming on a ravens pod we we uh, uh we love our draft picks and we love to get compensatory draft picks we may overvalue those compensatory draft picks i've certainly been accused of that uh but i think when you have a regime that you really trust to make good selections it's it's a it's a way to build a franchise and continue but we have others in our fan base amazingly that still would like to basically use that draft capital to p- peek into individual years to, uh, you know, make Super Bowl runs. And, and I was just wondering, where do you fall on that spectrum of franchise building? 
you know, it's amazing because I'm such a draft nut. Um, I've actually sat in the the press box at the Senior Bowl during the practices next to Ozzie Newsom. You know, hmm. um, I, I'm a draft nut. And so it was really cool being out there. I, I was out there three years in a row. And even though I'm such I, I'm so obsessed with the draft from the time I was like five, um, I have kind of adapted to what the Rams are doing. I don't think it's the only way. But I do think, you know, the reason the Rams are still so competitive, despite all of these injuries, I would make the argument is because they're, they treat it like the NBA. They're not afraid to make the trade. They're not afraid to go after the star. While, you know, there are people in the mainstream media that use that as talking points as why a team would falter down the stretch. You look at, you know, the the rhetoric around that, Odell Beckham Jr. is a cancer. Well, this cancer's caught four touchdowns in six games. You know, he only had, I think, eight with, you know, the Browns his whole career there. So, you know, they look in terms of guys, not just because they, you know, put butts in the seats and they're star caliber, but they look at these guys like Von Miller. You know, what are we going to be doing in late in January football? We're going to have our, you know, edge defenders chasing guys like an Aaron Rodgers, uh, like a Kyler Murray, a Dak Prescott. There's a lot of mobility. And with that, you need guys like Von Miller that can, you know, make that play. And furthermore, when you have an Aaron Donald or the way Leonard Floyd has revitalized his career in L.A., you know, I think it really is about complementary pieces. That's why you go out and you get Odell. Odell is complimenting, you know, pretty much, well, they were hoping, and this is the thing that people have already forgotten, Robert Woods has been out since, you know, they got OBJ. They never saw OBJ with Robert Woods. Woods Hmm. suffered a surprise-torn ACL uh, that totally broke all of Rams fans' hearts because that guy works harder than anybody. And he suffers a torn ACL, but because the Rams went out and went after OBJ and had the wherewithal to actually do it despite... Uh, you know, it could cause what people would say a little bit of a rift and targets. And if he's a cancer and, you know, receivers are divas, then this isn't going to work. Think if they hadn't done that and, you know, Woods tears his ACL. Now we're talking OBJ is in Green Bay. You're in some trouble here now with mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and a rookie seventh rounder out of Notre Dame and Ben Skoranek down the stretch. But instead, Skoranek has still had to play uh, but OBJ has been able to kind of, you know, give you a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air, so to speak, uh, you know, while you have kind of you weren't able to really, uh, you know, recoup from that Robert Woods injury. Now you are and people aren't necessarily looking at it as as detrimental as it would have been. And so I think that's the thing is, well, you know, there are teams Talking about the team building, because we're going off a little bit too far there. I didn't want to go that far, but um, you know, with the team building, for instance, I look at your team, I see a lot, and I love a lot of their drafts. I love what they do. I'm a big, big fan of Patrick Queen, first off. I loved him in the draft. They get these guys, like Marlon Humphrey, to me, is one of the best corners in football. He understands like everything, and when I watch that guy, you know... He, a lot of corners try to just dive at the ankles and I understand he's not going to be in this game. I'm I'm well aware of that, Mm -hmm. but just talking about him as a player, he forced eight fumbles last year. Oh yeah. We are aware. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, this is somebody that does a little bit of everything at the position, very similar to what Ramsey does for the Rams. So when you're talking about team building and finding these guys, you want to find guys that help in all avenues. Like for instance, I don't want 
a wide receiver that is just fast. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like people kind of just assume that Marquise Brown is just flashy and fast. Mm-hmm. He can run routes. You know, his hands, he's he's had some drops this year. He dropped, I think, three touchdowns this year. Yep. Uh, he dropped, uh, I think, two against the Lions. Right. Yep. But, you know, he, he has, you know, he can run routes. You look at Mark Andrews, big knock at him coming out. Well, he can't block. It's why he fell to, what, the third round? They, and they, they feel really good about that move, obviously. Maybe, you know, getting uh, Hayden Hurst in the first hasn't sort of worked out the way they, mm-hmm. they thought it might have. But regardless... They've made those moves. And the biggest one, I'll tell you right now, Lamar Jackson was my number one quarterback that year. And I love that they didn't listen to the noise. And they went out and they traded for him. They traded to get him the first round so they'd get that fifth-year option. That was big time. And that's the type of stuff I love. It was a big move. and And the Eagles made sure everybody knew that pick was for sale. It's remarkable that somebody else didn't make that move at that point. Yeah, a Saints, Saints fan very upset that they, they they moved up to fourteen to pick and that they didn't take Jackson. But uh, uh, let's let's continue on. We we kind of need to pick up the pace a little bit on this. I apologize for dragging us through more of this, but talk about some key injuries on the Rams right now and what's going on now. The Ravens, nothing's going to match the Ravens' injuries, but please tell us what's going on. Yeah, not going to match yours, um, but you know the Rams have dealt with injuries all year uh, in the COVID protocol. Luckily, they're and I don't want to knock. I, I think I have to knock on wood at this point. Uh, it's just Andrew Whitworth, their uh, star and their their leader at left tackle. Um, he is on the in the COVID list. We'll see if he comes back, and I think he's likely going to come back. There's a lot of time in between then. Um, no boom is back. He was their backup last week. In case you didn't know, they had to start Alaric Jackson, a UDFA out of Iowa at mm-hmm. left tackle. Um, they had some injuries, you know, we're talking about pro bowl alternate center, Brian Allen, uh, dealing with a knee. I don't know if he's going to play, but he was starting at center. Eventually the guard, David Edwards, uh, the left guard, he moved to left tackle to start the game. When Allen went down, they moved Coleman Shelton there that moved. Edwards back to guard and put Alaric Jackson a left tackle. They got Rob Havenstein back from practice or uh, from the uh, COVID list, and they got Daryl Henderson. But unfortunately, we just found out that Daryl Henderson has an MCL injury that's going to sideline him to three to five weeks, so he goes on IR. And a big loss is Ernest Jones, the rookie third round linebacker who has just looked so good as of late. He's gotten better each week. He really started to take over the last few weeks. And he got hurt in that game. We saw Traven Howard, a former late-round pick at a TCU with a defensive back background step up, as well as Troy Reader, uh, somebody who's been Johnny on the spot for this team since he made the team a few years ago as a UDFA out of Delaware. Uh, he struggled a little bit early on in the season, um, especially you know Kenny Young, former Raven, who sure. has played very well for the Rams uh, for the season. They traded him to Denver to make some room. It was almost like an unofficial trade. Like he was involved with the Von Miller trade, but you know, Troy reader struggled and now, you know, he he's coming off his best game last week. So the Rams, they have some injuries. They got to have guys step up, but there's been injuries. They still don't have Sebastian Joseph day. And um, you know, one of the best nose tackles in football and Greg Gaines, while he has been playing amazing, he did just hurt his hand badly enough where he had to get surgery. He will play, uh, but he'll be casted up. So uh, there's a chance because of the in- the injury to Henderson and the lack of depth, you could see Cam Akers return from five months after t- uh, tearing his Achilles, which is just, How is I don't possible? have words for. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, <laughs> let's let's keep going. The long run cap situation for the Rams, uh, where they stand for twenty twenty two. Uh, a lot of people would say they're in deep trouble, but I think there's a lot of base salary restructures that they could do. Um, I've actually calculated they can get up into the seven, 70 million in cap space if they you know do all of those. I'm not Coming sure how realistic contract. it is, but uh, you know we're talking you know you the Stafford deal is the big one because he's only on for one more year after this year. So if they sign him long term, they could probably add some cap too as well. Uh, they like to basically what they like to do is they like to uh, backload you know, their money. And that's why with their contracts, it's a little harder to just say, you know, restructure all the time like other teams do. Um, but they have been doing it you know, more. So I think you could expect them to be able to bring back a lot of their guys, but they're going to have to make some tough decisions. And I'm not 100% guaranteeing that a guy that they did spend a second and a third round pick to get in Von Miller, I'm not guaranteeing he'll be back. So, you know, we'll see. But I don't think they're in a bad spot with cap. Um, you know, they they definitely needed the the cap to go up like it's projected to do uh, next year. Okay. All right. Oh, always, always a thing. And, you know, oftentimes from the outside, the Ravens always are waiting for the other shoe to drop on teams that overspend in terms of cap. And I'm not saying the Rams necessarily have been a, a, one of these teams, but oh, yeah. uh, it's happening all over the place in the AFC North. And, you know, trying to figure out when the when those other teams are really going to going to have to pay the piper for what they've done yeah. uh, is really important. It seems like there are some teams that just have gotten away with it forever. The Chiefs in the AFC are a team that, uh, you know, I don't know how they keep putting huge contracts on the book, but the books, but they do. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on. Let's talk directly about the offense now. I, I, talk, talk first about what Stafford has brought to the offense directly. Uh, you did a little bit before in terms of, of, of some of the mobility that Goff did not have. But wh- what has he brought? Well, you know, I think he's been a big time leader. And that's not something that Goff wasn't. Uh, also durability, which Goff didn't miss many games. Um, but the thing that he's really brought is the fact he can make all of those wow throws that as a Rams fan, you could watch, you know, the Green Bay Packers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whoever and other quarterbacks around the league were making the wow throws that golf was no longer making. And so I think when you look at Stafford, you know, he gives you a lot of options and, you know, it hasn't quite come to fruition with this run game until later on in the season where they had to go to more of 12 personnel, 13 personnel groupings to get the run game going uh, as they were 24th in the league before that. Uh, but the really the hope is moving forward with this team is now that everyone knows that Matthew Stafford can throw the rock, it's going to open up lighter boxes and more opportunities for the run game because last year everyone was begging Jared Goff to throw downfield and they were putting nine or 10 guys in the box because they just didn't want them to run the football, you know? So now you have Matthew Stafford. You can't just sell out to stop the run because Stafford can beat you with the pass. And it's not just Stafford. It's been Stafford's connection with Cooper cup. It's not that he only throws to Cooper cup, which you might think he does, but in reality, he actually spreads the ball out quite a bit. It's just he and Cooper Cup are on another level of a duo that I, I just haven't seen since, you know, maybe Isaac Bruce and Kurt Warner. I mean, you know, for this team, it, it's been unbelievable. Uh, you know, it, we're talking you throw to a spot and they just they're on it. Cup is just going to run to that spot. Uh, it's not, you know, as simple as, you know, just point and shoot. I mean, they are doing all sorts of things. Cup, 
you know, his ex- explanation for one of his touchdowns earlier in the season uh, actually went viral because he broke it down and they run a lot of option routes. And it's, it's just, just the been, one that it was very complex in terms of the very com- the fire zone, yeah. the replacement fire zone. Yeah. Uh, pretty funny there. Um, but I mean, this is what we're talking about is that, you know, Matthew Stafford has unlocked the potential of this offense. And you know what? I still don't think this offense is anywhere near where it could be come playoff time. I think they really, they had to make these adjustments. Sean McVay got way too pass happy and abandoned the run. We're talking before Sony Michelle has all of a sudden kind of figured out uh, what he's doing and going over a hundred yards in two straight games. Mm -hmm. Before that, Henderson was averaging, you know, in in certain games, he was averaging 6.4 yards per carry. You look at the Cardinals game. The abandonment of the run was clear and he was getting away with it because Stafford was carrying them. When Stafford went through that tough, you know, back against the wall three game stretch where they lost those games, it once again, we see it every year. Sean McVay has to adjust. He adjusts once again, went to the 12, 13 personnel grouping. You saw, you know, six offensive linemen out there. Um, they did lose their blocking tight end earlier in the season to a torn ACL. So I do think that had something to do with it. But mm-hmm. now they have things going. They have the run game working. Sony Michelle looks ready to go. Cam Akers will be back. They said they're not rushing him back. They really feel like he's that far ahead of schedule and has blown them away as far as expectations. I mean, we didn't expect him to be back until next year, rightfully so. You tear right. an Achilles five months ago, you shouldn't be back. But this is what I'm talking about is now you have these guys, you have Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, OBJ, Van Jefferson, and what Tyler Higby does is just not talked about enough. This offensive line, no matter who gets hurt, it seems like it's next man up and they can, you know, they're great at run blocking. And on top of that, they've been really good in pass pro. Stafford wasn't sacked once last week, having a UDFA left tackle uh, against a team that leads the league in sacks. So Incredible. I think with everything going on, uh, everything going on, you have Stafford's ability now, especially being one of the best fourth quarter quarterbacks in the league. I think the Rams are in really good, uh, you know, shape, and this is why they went out and got the trade. You know, they went out and made the trade. And furthermore, what I'll add is when people were comparing, you know, during the, that losing streak, they have the same record they had last year with Goff. What difference does it make? They're eleven and four now. They're on a four game winning streak. And we can say Stafford isn't clutch all we want, but that's just not true. You go through the game against Tom Brady head-to-head, they now have a crucial tiebreaker against Tampa that no one's talking about, but that was won back in week three, and they just beat Arizona on primetime with everybody out with COVID, and their back's against the wall, and now they're right in line to win the division. Okay. All right, uh, and they still are are hoping Green Bay stumbles. Do they have a chance to take the one seed still? That is going to be a little brutal. They would need to lose out, and the Rams would have to win out, and they need Dallas to lose one game because Dallas has the tiebreaker due to the NFC NFC conference schedule that they have. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, fair enough. So the Rams are probably looking at the three seed currently as it stands? That's Yeah, as it stands. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on to the wide receiver core and, and talk about what each brings individually. And they've talked about each at, at, a, at a certain level already, but maybe a little bit more briefly. Let's go through each. 
Yeah, you know, I think the the great thing about Cup is he does a little bit of everything. You know, him and Robert Woods were like 1A, 1B. You talk about a guy that can run routes. He's a, you know, extension of the coaching staff. Uh, Cooper Cup's going to be a coach someday. He's very, very intelligent. And I'm not just saying that. You ask anybody in that organization, they'll tell you the same thing. Great hands, great routes, uh, you know, and just his ability to slip past the first tackle. He does it so often. You know, we talked about that run after the catch ability and how it can be overrated as far as, you know, the stat. But when you watch him, you see he's earning those run after the catch yards, uh, you know, breaking tackles and spinning out of them and making sure he always knows where the first down marker is. That's why he's so crucial. But then you have Van Jefferson, second year guy, uh, controlled aggression in his route running. His father is a former receiver in the NFL and Sean Jefferson. Uh, So, you know, obviously that background helps him a lot. Uh, but this is a guy that, you know, he transfers from Ole Miss because he's behind A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, and he goes to Florida, and the Florida quarterback kind of held him back in a sense. So now he goes to the Rams, and, you know, he needs quite a bit, but we're talking like 260 yards to hit 1,000 yards. I don't think people right. realize the type of season he's having. And the thing with him is he's more of an over-the-top deep threat. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to Cup for a second, he's uh, close to the all-time record for yards and the all-time record for receptions as well in a season? Yes, he's correct? on pace to break them both. Okay. Um, he could break Calvin's record in 16 games without any of the asterisks mm-hmm. if he gets 231 yards this Sunday. Two thirty. You need two thirty-one. I have to say that's not impossible against the Ravens' defense. We'll see if <laughs> if they if they keep trying to throw it up that way. Uh, you 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 may or may not be aware. It was a simple, brutal, unfair massacre. I'm sure you're aware of that part. Oh yeah, of, of the Bengals against the against the Ravens this last week. But the but the uh, the three cornerbacks the Ravens had out there for the bulk of the game are three guys that that would not even got a whiff in camp. In fact, the Ravens traded away better players uh, <laughs> in, in camp than they uh, uh, than they did. It's just a, just a nightmarish situation. Uh, no, I, yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I understand. You know, they always say no one's going to feel sorry. I felt sorry for the Ravens. I, I was really excited to even see Gus Edwards get an opportunity to see mm-hmm. him go down hurt, to see J.K. Dobbins go down hurt. Justice Hill goes down. That hurts. I'm a big fan of what Marcus Peters meant to the Rams in that run for the Super Bowl. He gets hurt. You know, it's it was such a shame to see it. And uh, my guy, maybe one of my favorite players in all of football, Marlon Humphrey, that broke my heart. And now Lamar Jackson going through what he's going through. It's just brutal, man. You know, I, I do feel sorry for the Ravens. It's uh, it, it's been a tough run here, and I tell you what, this is what you say. It's the kind of depressing thing that it takes you through, uh, you know, for these last four games. But it's a uh, it's 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 tough. I, I should be happy. They're going to the last two games. They still have a shot. Uh, yeah, know, the Rams will come in, and they they'll, they'll, they'll I'm sure play uh, hard, even if they don't play well in this game. Let's uh, let's move on to the running backs and and the use of a fullback. Do the Rams use a fullback ever or, or regular? No. Uh, they really don't. I mean, if they were going to use a fullback, it would have been Johnny Munt, uh, but he tore his ACL earlier in the season and it kind of changed those plans. So a little bit of H back maybe from a tight end ever. Yeah, you could see, I mean, not really Tyler Higby so much. Uh, they like him, you know, playing more in line. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, as far as H back, I mean, maybe a more, more like Kendall Blanton, uh, who's kind of, you know, elevated from the practice squad, you know, when they need him. Uh, you know, Bryson Hopkins is more in line and they lost Jacob Harris for the year. So, I mean, they're really thin at tight end. So, uh, we're so talking, they were playing offensive linemen in that spot. 
Okay, understood. It's and the Ravens have been through that last year before in terms yeah. of not really knowing what to do with their five eligible receiver positions once a tight end went down. But you did mention that the Rams had shifted so to some twelve and thirteen down the stretch here, yeah. trying to get the run game going. So they're not exclusively a run out of eleven team. No, and they really were uh, during you know the earlier portion of the season. It kind of kind of goes back to what I was saying, where McVay was very pass happy. But when he saw that, you know, Stafford was having the moments where it's like, you know, what teams were doing and why like Mahomes was struggling and all that mm-hmm. teams stopped blitzing these quarterbacks. Because why are you going to blitz Stafford? He's one of the best quarterbacks against the blitz. It makes it easier on him to read the field. So what they did is they stopped blitzing a Mahomes. They stopped blitzing a Stafford. And they're like, all right, you make the decision. And, you know, you're turning the ball over all of a sudden. All right. Now we got to change things and how we're doing the thing is that people forget is, well, I think Stafford is a great quarterback. I think he's top five this year, and the stats prove it. He's not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, and he hasn't been his whole career. He's very good, and he's been underrated, but you can't overrate him. So I think mm-hmm. just because he went to the Rams, it wasn't a magical fix. He's still himself. He's still going to be that gunslinger. It's just like Brett Favre, you know he's still going to make those throws where you're like, what are you doing? Because then he's going to come back and make a wow throw. You look at the game against the Vikings, he threw three picks, but the most impressive part of his game is the fact that what he can do in the fourth quarter, he's thrown 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions in the fourth quarter. He has been unbelievable this year in that quarter. So that's a big thing there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's what I'll, I'll say in, in regards to that. I just think that they really... You know, they went 11 personnel early on in the season. Sean McVay realized he's done it too much. And I understand kid in the candy store loves football. This is fun for him. Keep in mind. So it's almost like he's still a young coach. He still has those moments where it's like, just run the ball. Uh, But I feel like he's getting better with that as we, you know, get towards the, the back end of this schedule. Okay, let's let's talk through the offensive line. I feel like you you hit on a number of the positions earlier, but it was kind of in the injury shell game mode. But just take us through from left to right in terms of who's there, 15-second description of each of them in terms of what they bring. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as long as they're all healthy, I mean, Andrew Whitworth, he, he should have been a pro bowler. He's one of the best left tackles in football. Um Starting a game at 40, just incredible. He's 40 years old. He might be uh, I back. Was gonna next ask. Year. <laughs> I was going to ask how old he is now. <laughs> just, he's incredible. Such a leader. And, you know, he does start to kind of, you know, down the stretch. He starts to wear down a little bit, but he keeps himself in such great shape to even have a chance to play at 40 is just incredible. Uh, guard David Edwards. You know, can play tackle, play tackle at Wisconsin. Uh, his buddy Rob Havenstein from you know drafts earlier. He's the right tackle, but uh, left guard uh, David Edwards, very underrated, really good against the run, solid in pass pro. You look at center, uh, Coleman Shellen had to take over for an injured Brian Allen and did a very good job. I almost liked him more uh, in pass pro, but Brian Allen is a monster in the run game, and that is why he became a Pro Bowl alternate this year a former fourth round pick out of michigan state you look at right guard austin corbett this is a guy that they traded uh you know they traded for uh one of these trades where it wasn't super popular it wasn't a von miller and it didn't get you know the same press but it was a huge thing here they got austin corbett a former 33rd overall pick i believe in the 2018 or 2019 draft out of nevada And I saw him at the Senior Bowl. The biggest issue with him probably would have gone first round if the Senior Bowl coaches put him at guard. 
He's a guard or a center. They tried to play him at tackle. It exposed his weaknesses, but I saw him at guard and I saw a guy that could really play. He's been huge for the Rams. The Browns threw him away like he was nothing. Didn't want to develop him. The Rams love him. He's great there. And then Havenstein, I mean, he's a model of consistency. Uh, This guy has been so impressive. He is going to have his moments against speed rushers. But when he's healthy, he is just absolutely one of the best right tackles in football. And that's why, you know, they cross-train all of these offensive linemen. They ran, you know, early on in Sean McVay's tenure. Havenstein was looking at playing at guard, six foot eight. A little too mm-hmm. tall for that. But, you know, they've done all the cross-training with Aaron Cromer. Um, you know, now there's a, a new uh, coach there. Um, you know, so it's, you know, that's the thing. I, I like the cross training when you're when you're developing a tackle who can also play guard but i want i i i am a big guy on you draft tackles to play tackle and in fact you don't you, you don't pretend like uh, accumulating guys who play guard tackle and are originally guards is like acquiring relievers to fill your starting rotation it, just, it doesn't it doesn't work and and in fact there's such a difference in the skill set required between left tackle and right tackle that i i don't want to have a lot of overlap in, in those either so i want to have two guys on my team who i know can play left tackle at the with the feet and the and the, the mirroring that i want out of that position and then i'll i'll, I'll take different characteristics at right tackle and i'm sure it, you, from your nodding you're sounding like you're agreeing with it oh i i 100 percent. you know my biggest pet peeve during the draft season is when we have to turn every tackle into a guard i mm-hmm. i absolutely hate it i mean yep. you know isaiah win for the patriots everyone wanted to turn him into a guard right. the the names go down i mean i won't even get into that but uh, yeah i agree with you wholeheartedly uh, I think that there are guys that, you know, are, are guards and guys that are tackles. We don't have to turn them all in the guards. That's right. And there's very, very few successful guard to tackle conversions. And Michael Nueno is the big one in recent years is, is a guy who for the Patriots is just yeah. drafts his guard. I freaking love that guy coming out of the draft. Oh, I, I interviewed him. He's a great dude. I, <laughs> I, I like him. Yeah, I like him, too. <laughs> yeah, and the Ravens took Ben Bredesen, you know, the other guard on, on Michigan uh, on the opposite side at 143, I believe. And, and the Patriots get on Wayno at 182, just broke my heart uh, in terms of, well, you guys, of that. You guys got Ben Cleveland, right? Yeah, we got Ben Cleveland. I'm excited about that. I, I loved yeah. him in the draft. Yeah. So Me yeah. too. Number two guard this year for me. Yeah. Uh, oh, so anyway, then there are a lot of guys, there are a lot of tackles. Who who will project a guard in the NFL? Jackson Carmen and a lot of other players like that with a oh, short absolutely. arm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't want to talk about that too much. I did <laughs> want to say one thing about about Whitworth's original position. I'm going to give you the top five guys in the draft from the year Whitworth came in the NFL. Mario Williams been out of the league for five years. Reggie Bush incredibly only been out of the league for five years. Vince Young out of the league for ten years. Debrickashaw Ferguson last played in 2015, so six years, and AJ Hawk. Now, not a bad group of players in terms of, you know, some, some talent, some risk and whatnot, but, but those guys have all been out of the league forever. Uh, the Ravens, two draft picks that year who, who, who kind of go into the same vein. Number 12, they drafted Haloti Nada, one of the great Ravens draft picks. Oh, yeah. Switcheroos yeah. of all time. But, you know, he's been gone since 2018 in, in the league. And Sam Cook, who is still amazingly in the league, uh, was drafted <laughs> late in that draft. So, anyway, uh, Andrew Whitworth is an old man is what we get out of that. Oh yeah. No, it's I'm I'm glad they they went out. And you know when they did that, that was a status symbol there. I, I don't think people realize that. McVeigh knew it. You know, when they went out and they signed Robert Woods his first year, mm-hmm. that was them 
seeing what I saw, a guy that, hey, he played in a run-heavy offense, but this guy can play when they needed him. He went, you know, in Buffalo, he'd be called upon. I live in upstate New York. I saw a lot of Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills games. This guy could play. But Andrew Whitworth, when they got him, it grabbed the attention of all of the league because this 30-year-old coach hyped up this veteran so much to sign with this Rams team that was 4-12 and the year before. He hadn't seen anything what this team had done. Sean McVay hadn't proven anything as a head coach. And I think this is what allowed guys like Jalen Ramsey to buy in. This allowed guys like Marcus Peters to want to go there. This allowed guys like, you know, Brandon Cooks. We're talking Odell. Odell wanting to be in L.A. right now. Like, this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say status symbol because when they got, you know, Andrew Whitworth, obviously if they didn't put up the results, it wouldn't have mattered. But they not only put up the results, but they showed everyone this is one of the most respected, you know, veterans in the league. And he just signed with a 4-12 and team because of this 30-year-old head coach. Hmm. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I would also maybe cynically say that the geography of Los Angeles probably has, and, and the city of Los oh, Angeles yeah. probably has some draw as well, but that's, uh, that, that's, a, that's a great point that McVeigh has gotten that buy-in from some vet players. Um, let's move over to the defense if we can. And, and I always start with this question. What, what's the Rams' most common uh, look, both in, both in base versus the most typical Ravens 12 and 21 personnel sets. And and uh, it, I guess, you know, I don't imagine we're going to see Ricard back this week. I haven't I haven't seen any notation of it, but it is possible. Um, so it could be either 12 or 21 they're playing they're playing regularly. And then also tell me about their base pass defense look. So third and seven kind of kind of plays. Who do they have on the field for that? Yeah, they're really looking at nickel. Um, you know, they're three, four with like air quotes needed, but really they they are a nickel defense. Um, you know, you have your three man up front. You're going to have Aaron Donald. You know, and then we talked about Greg Gaines and Ashawn Robinson. Underrated Ashawn Robinson does not get talked about. Then on the outside, you know, they kind of rotate. But really, for the most part, you're going to see Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. They're going to, you know, kind of factor in the fact that, you know, Justin Hollins has had a really good season when he's been healthy. They just got him back again. He is cross-trained to play inside backer and outside. Uh, So they use him as well uh, with his, you know, versatility, his athleticism, especially with the injury to Ernest Jones. He'll probably see a lot more snaps. Talked about, uh, you know, talking about Troy Reader and Traven Howard. Uh, You know, those guys are in there, but in passing downs, they're not going to have both those guys in there. They could have, Mm -hmm. you know, a Taylor rap in that, uh, you know, that sequence. They also, the thing that's really important to know about the Rams is that they're not traditionally, you know, oh, okay. So they'll just have Ramsey, you know, shadowing uh, either Mark Andrews or, you know, a Bateman or a Brown. That's not them. He plays the where's Waldo position. It's the star position. He's asked to either be the linebacker, the edge defender, a safety, a corner. He does like he does it all. And so, you know, that's kind of the thing is that he does it as well as Darius Williams, the other corner. Very impressive corner, I mm-hmm. might add. And then the safety Terrell Burgess. They've used rap at moments. Uh, but really, you're looking at a personnel grouping of, you know, they're going to have one linebacker at moments, although right now with Ernest Jones out, they probably won't do that. So you're really looking at two linebackers and then passing downs, like you were saying, um, you know, on third down, you're probably not going to see Reader in there. You're probably going to see Traven Howard, a guy that has defensive back 
uh, you know, background. And you'll probably see a Taylor Rapp or a Burgess or, you know, Jalen Ramsey in that spot. And then you'll bring in a Dante Dion or David Long uh, to fill out your corners on the outside. As far as safeties go, uh, you know, Jordan Fuller is a big guy there. He has the green dot for the defense. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot, a lot of teams now, more teams than than did, are moving that green dot to safety because they want that flexibility at linebacker. The Ravens among those teams, obviously. Um, I did want to mention Darius Williams for a second. Obviously, Ravens fans sick that he yeah, got you know. away from them. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's a, a lot of people loved him in, in camp. He, he obviously played very well. The Ravens didn't have a ton of depth at nickel. Ravens are one of these odd NFL teams that – um, collects aircraft carrier size outside corners, but really does not have as much. Most teams, it's the other way around. You know, they have 11 guys who can play nickel, and, and, and they're wondering which of our nickel guys can we play on the outside once people start to go down. Um, but but it, it's the Ravens are just the opposite, and they, and they really haven't accumulated the amount of backup slot corner depth that would really help this team. So uh, it, it, losing him was was a uh, it, it, it hurt at the time. I knew that they were going to have to try and slip him through the practice squad, but uh, I, I kind of felt also that he was certainly going to be picked up by someone. Yeah, that was one of those ones where I almost felt bad for the Ravens because I was a big fan of his coming out of UAB. This is a program that was dead, okay? Mm-hmm. And he was part of, you know, that group that really brought it back to the forefront. They were a good football team. Good, You know, now they're, they're on the rise. Uh, they're coming back. But, you know, guys like him really made that happen. So when I watched him, you know, I saw this guy just plays. He's 5'9", but he plays like he's 6'3". He doesn't care who he's on. I've seen very him over physical. and over. Very physical. I've seen him over and over defend guys like New Hopkins, even George Kittle. Uh, not afraid, you know, and that's what I love about him. And that's why the Rams love him so much. And they can play him on the outside and not really worry about it. Uh, and then Dante Dion's a guy they got from the Giants who's just – you know, he bounced around a little bit. He's been on the practice squad seemingly every year. And this is finally the year he he made it. And, you know, he's so scrappy. It's it's incredible uh, the type of production they've got out of him for a guy that is just a UDFA out of, I believe, Boise State. And he's just played so well. And then even their third round pick that is forgotten about in 2019, he had his moments earlier in the season where it wasn't pretty. But David Long is starting to emerge a little bit. And it's also part of this, you know, the good thing about being battle tested and going through these COVID protocols, because you really get to find out who is actually depth. We use depth just so openly, but Mm -hmm. depth is like I if I can't, you know, trust you to start in an NFL game, that's not depth to me. You have to be able to come in and be able to play, not at the highest level, but I have to not be able to, you know, be scared about playing you. And I think the Rams are, you know, they found that out the last few weeks. They have a lot of depth. Yeah, there's. I mean, the Ravens have been a very rotational defensive line team specifically. So that depth, that that depth that gets in play every week, you know, you see those guys. You still have snap count considerations and. Um, you know, the players who don't play as much, you wonder if they'd be able to play 25 or 30 snaps if they needed to. And, and that comes up. But they, but rotational teams, you, you, you certainly have to be sure, in, even in a 3-4 where you don't play too much base, that you have five guys available every week. At least I, I like to have five. They, they will sometimes try and go with four um, that, that can get through a game. I don't like the Steelers' old model of – playing the same couple of guys for almost every single down. I really don't like that at all. And, and no. uh, um, especially with the, uh, um, 
the way teams have gotten better at converting by series and the, the length of drive that that can create, it, it requires more rotation and rest, in, in my opinion. I didn't want to talk about that, but I guess we've done it now. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, the Rams, it's funny. Everyone just looks at, well, it's Aaron Donald and it's, you know, Von Miller. A lot of these guys, like even Aaron Donald included, they're able to get breathers now because this this defense has been battle tested that they trust a guy like a Jonah Williams. They trust a guy like a Michael Hoyt. Uh, you know, guys that maybe they're not talked about on the ESPNs of the world, but hey, you know, they're making in between the first, second, third down, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're coming in to spell a Donald, and those are positive plays. They're not getting gashed. And so I think this is a really good sign, you know, moving forward. The Rams are able to kind of, you know, just give these guys a breather. They don't have to play the whole game. Um, you know, you saw with Greg Gaines and what he's been able to do with Joseph Day out. Uh, even Marquise Copeland out of Cincinnati UDFA. He's played a bit. Uh, so that's the thing is that, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Depth is is only just it's just a word until you finally see the guys in action. You, you, you know, you take your coaches, uh, you know, words, obviously you take them seriously because he's seeing them all in camp. He knows what it is. But until you see them on the field, it, it's not for sure until, you know, you see them. Right. I, I, I want to go back to Gaines for a second because he was an interesting player to me. Uh, very short arms for an NFL oh, yeah. player. In fact, he's even shorter than some of the Ravens interior linemen who are legendarily short. Patrick McCary, very short arms. And and uh, uh, Matt Skura had short arms. And they had a bunch of scur- short arms on the inside. Brett Bredesen and others they drafted in the first percentile. Um, but anyway, he went up against McCary in that game, in the 2019 game at L.A. And obviously, one-sided game. We don't need to get into that. But yeah. Gaines impressed me. I, I believe he drew two holding flags on McCary in that game. And the first one, it looked like literally – uh, he's got that Moses Malone ability to indicate he's being held uh, when 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 not going on. The second the second holding flag, it looked like he was actually dragging McCarry down, and then somehow managed to make it look like McCarry took him to the ground and and you know had pulled his jersey and done all this other stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a little bit of a magician with that. It seemed like. Well, he's a very impressive player. It goes back to Washington. He's a guy that I I kept saying, I love Quentin Williams in that draft. I mean, he's just awesome, right? But when you look at the pass rushing efficiency rating, I mean, for interior defense alignment, Greg Gaines was in the top four. He was actually ahead of Quentin Williams. So this is a guy the Rams get in the fourth round, and they're like, wow, okay, we'll take it. We have plenty of depth on the uh, on the defensive line, but we'll make it work. And now here we are in 2021. He's having to step up. I've been telling people for two years, this guy's a starter, just playing behind a lot, you know, just a really good defensive line. Uh, but you, we're seeing it. I mean, you know, if, if you missed uh, the Monday Night Football game against Arizona, I mean, he chases down Kyler Murray. You know, this is the type of guy he just – he shows week in and week out that he's just a special player. I mean, we're not talking like generational, but he doesn't have to be. He's right. a guy that's coming in and he's he's depth beyond that. I mean, he will probably be starting next year. I, I mean, I, I'm looking I'm looking at his stats here. Is this wrong? I mean, it looks like he's playing basically 100 percent of the snaps for about the last eight weeks from I'm looking at just, yeah. just on pro football reference. He played 98, 96, 93, 81, 95, 96, and 70% of the snaps. Not uh, wrong. Yeah. So I, it's, <laughs> that seems <laughs> to go against the point of having a lot of rotation on the inside, but that's, there's a yeah. very high percentage. I mean, I think the, the record for the Ravens um, since at least 2000 is 
76% of snaps, I believe, for a season. And Gaines is way above that these last eight weeks or so. Gaines has been unbelievable. And I think that part of that is because he didn't play as much earlier in the year. So I feel like there's like not a lot of tread on his tires. It's a long season. They they got away with like half the season with uh, Joseph Day, who, I mean, Joseph Day is just having a great year. Then he gets hurt. Gaines steps up. And now he's arguably having a better year than Joseph Day was. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty incredible. And when you look at that ability, you know, th- this is why. I mean, you could argue Joseph Day is better you know, in the run game, but Gaines is such a lethal, I mean, he's such a lethal defensive lineman as a pass rusher. And this is something we knew coming out of college. It's not like it just magically appeared, but when you pair him with Aaron Donald, it's like you can't even double or triple Aaron Donald anymore because now it's Von Miller. Now it's Leonard Floyd stepping up and now Greg Gaines. And it's really, it's putting people, it's breaking offensive lines backs uh, the, the recent weeks. We've seen it. All right. All right. Uh, you talked a little bit about the defensive line. Let's go ahead and talk about the linebackers and uh, uh, go through that quickly. Yeah. You know, I think when you look at, say, Traven Howard, this is somebody that's coming back from injury, almost forgot about him <laughs> because, I mean, this is a guy, you know, coming into the season, I was super excited to see start uh, next to Ernest Jones. They decided to go the, the slower played route where they don't throw Ernest Jones right in. They haven't played special teams and Traven Howard, for whatever reason, was on the second team, the third team, wasn't getting the reps. They actually rolled with Kenny Young, who played very well earlier in the mm-hmm. season. They traded him away to Denver, and then those guys take over. Traven Howard was on IR the whole time, so he finally gets pulled off. And this is a guy, we've seen him sprinkled in throughout his career with the Rams. He just makes plays. You know, he has that athleticism, ran, you know, in the four fives, former defensive back at TCU. Uh, when you can cover like that, you can run sideline to sideline like that, especially with who's around you, the defense you're playing on, it really helps them out. And so, you know, you're getting great contribution out of a guy that can really just play with the best of them as far as that athleticism. But then when you look at Troy Reader, you know, he's not as athletically gifted. But last week, he puts together his best game, arguably, all season after being benched, essentially, uh, playing well in coverage. He's a guy that continues to get better. I think Chris Shula and that linebacker, you know, coaching staff, they've done an an excellent job of getting the best out of these linebackers. We saw Kenny Young make strides. He was not the same linebacker the year prior. We saw Ernest Jones make strides as the season went on. Troy Reader's a better linebacker than last year. And Traven Howard is looking as, you know, as good as he's ever been. So getting the interception last week was big, but he also had two pass breakups and really showed his ability to you know, play in coverage. And the thing that's important here is that as long as Troy Reader can keep that up in coverage and Traven Howard can, then you can keep those guys in on third down and it really sure. opens up the possibilities for you. So one of the big bugaboos with the Ravens and Patrick Queen as much as anybody else has been an inability to recognize what's going on between level two and level three off the line of scrimmage or perhaps without completely turning his back to the quarterback. To, to yeah. look because it, it, the players become invisible to him as soon as they move past his uh, you know, point on the field. Uh, has Kenny Young improved in that way? He's a good downhill player when he's with the Ravens, uh, did some good things against the run, you know, a little bit of a pass rusher, liked his speed to, to, to chase after a running back on a screen pass. But uh, you know, one of the things that, that he lacked as well as Owasso and, and Queen since uh, is the ability to recognize a route at all between level two and three. 
he got better in that aspect. I'm not going to say he he mastered it, but he did get better in that aspect. He improved in every way, I thought, this year. And, and that's why it was kind of a shock to everyone uh, around the Rams uh, that they traded away Kenny Young. He was shocked. The team was shocked. I mean, none of the players were ready for that. This was coming off an impressive win against the Colts. Um, you know, I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. And then, you know, sure enough, over time, uh, you know, they go out and they get Von Miller. And I always say that's kind of connected. So, um, no, I, I mean, I, Denver, Denver needed him. Denver went out and traded for him because they weren't tanking the way people wanted them to. And it's a good thing they didn't because they're still in the playoff race somehow. But when you look... You know, he came in, they had all these injuries. They lose Alexander Johnson. Uh, you know, they lose Justin Sternad. They had so many injuries. They even took Micah Kaiser off the Rams practice squad. He got hurt. Kenny Young has been so huge for them. He was huge for the Rams. So, you know, I'm happy for him. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a bummer to see him go. Right. So he was in the last year of a four of his four years. So he's set to be a UFA. He hadn't been re-signed, correct? That is correct. Okay, so and he was making a couple million as a second round pick, probably. Yeah, I mean, he he really wasn't making that much. I mean, we're talking about a million dollars they saved on that. Right. Okay. All right. So you got to scrap where you can for those last cap dollars. Yeah. Uh, have we gone through the secondary sufficiently, or was there you, you did you did pass through went through the safety? So I think we're good on that. What, what do you expect the Raven the the Rams to do to defend uh, what the Ravens now bring to the table? Not not knowing you know obviously at this point whether Jackson will play or not, but let's assume he doesn't, and it's it's Johnson again uh, at quarterback, not Huntley. Um, what what do you expect the Rams to do defensively? Well, I think the thing that bodes well for the Rams this time around, because 2019 was just mm-hmm. the thing that bodes well for the Rams this time around, besides all the injuries, is the fact that the Rams have now seen like Russell Wilson was kind of an emulation of what a mobile quarterback would do. But when you have guys like Huntley and Josh Johnson and Lamar Jackson, you're preparing for a guy like Kyler Murray, so to speak, a guy mm-hmm. that can run, not not run around and, and make plays like Wilson can. But these guys can take over the game with their legs. I mean, I don't think people realize like Josh Johnson has, you know, some games where he's played well enough to win in his career. Um, You know, he's been kind of Johnny on the spot. He's played on like 11 different teams. I have a tremendous amount of respect for that guy. So I'm not looking down on this team. I had multiple questions today uh, on Twitter. People are like, are are you just counting out the Ravens regardless? No, I'm not. Uh, Because, you know, this is a good coach and John Harbaugh. I understand you know, the two-point conversions everyone wants to talk about. John Harbaugh is a damn good coach. There's a reason mm-hmm. why they're still even alive. Uh, but you talk about it, and you're like, the Rams, they are so accustomed to defending this type of quarterback with Kyler that I feel like, you know, they're going to be ready to go. They they don't have to do anything crazy. They can play their style of football. Uh, you know, I would just say, you know, play your style of football. Don't go crazy with the blitzes. And the Rams really don't blitz as much as they used to with, say, a Wade Phillips or even Greg Williams before him. Mm-hmm. A four-man rush has proved to be pretty damn effective against the Ravens, <laughs> honestly. So they really haven't had to do that. Both tackles very weak and uh, you know have a lot of troubles in, in, in pass protection. I think the ball will come out early this week. Where you really notice, you can lump Jackson, Huntley, and Johnson into the same category – but it really should the difference really shows up in the run game. It shows up in the pass game, the ability oh, to take yeah. long shots too. But but the run game 
it's all about the reads. And Jackson is literally one of the greatest readers of leverage in any sport. Anytime. Muhammad Ali, you know, you really need to compare him to yeah. as, as far as being able to you know, diagnose a punch coming kind of thing. But, but, you know, Huntley and Huntley and Johnson make a lot of mistakes on the reads and they have the last few, few weeks that have led to some not great run plays when they're, when they go out of the mesh like that. So I think that's something the Rams will probably take advantage of in this game. Uh, I, I don't personally think Jackson's going to play again this year. We'll see if he doesn't play this week, he certainly is not going to play next week if the Ravens lose. So I think my guess yeah. would be that he, that he will not play again this year. And uh, that's really unfortunate that the season ends up being lost to that. No, that that is unfortunate. I'm a big fan of Lamar. I mean, Lamar might be my favorite non-Ram like in the league. So now the OBJ is with the Rams. Like my favorite non-Ram is Lamar. He got all sorts of comparisons to being a running back and a wide receiver. But when you watch him, everyone wanted to compare him to Michael Vick. The weird thing about him is when I watched his film going back to Louisville, He's more comfortable throwing in the pocket than Vic was. Vic liked to run around, you know, while Jackson, if he could get that down, his accuracy run it on the run, he's going to be unstoppable, but he's still not the best thrower of the football on the run. Like some would just assume because he can run the football. Mm -hmm. He's actually really good in the pocket. And I just keep saying, I mean, you know, the people that were telling me that I was out of my mind for having him as QB one, are, are the ones that were, you know, defending Baker Mayfield, who leads the league in interceptions since he's entered the league. So, you know, I, I think that they have something special there. I don't have to tell you that. He's an MVP, and, uh, you know, it's been a, a tough year, but they're going to get this thing turned around next year. I'm not, I'm not worried about the Ravens long term, and when Lamar Jackson's on, he's about the most unbeatable quarterback in the NFL. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, thanks again for joining us. There's no need to pick score predictions here. I don't do that on the show anyway. But it, pick me a player maybe on each side of the ball for the Rams, defense and offense, who you think matches up well against the Ravens. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are going to say Cooper Cup here, but I think the Ravens are going to do something to kind of try to minimize his production. I think we're talking maybe in the 90s, maybe 100 yards, but he's not having two, 200 this week, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll eat crow if I'm wrong. But I really think this is a game where an Odell Beckham Jr. could explode in. Um, You know, he's obviously had familiarity with the Ravens. He's played against them before. Um, I think I would look at Odell on the offense and on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, This is going to be a big game, I think, uh, for Traven Howard, who's now going to start this game. He had to come in when Ernest Jones got hurt early on, but he's going to start. And there's a lot of momentum riding on this guy. You could argue Greg Gaines as well. But I really think this is a big Traven Howard game. Uh, They're going to have to, you know, you talked about the quick passing attack. This is the best way to beat this team is you hope that Raheem Morris plays more of the the soft zone. And if you play that soft zone and you're throwing quickly over the middle and you're finding guys like if they get, you know, Latavius Murray or or Devontae Freeman going in the passing attack, you know, that might open up things. And and that's the thing. And, And, you know, having a guy like Traven Howard that can not only defend that, uh, but can, you know, is fast enough to cut that off, um, it's going to be very important. So those are the two guys I'm looking at, OBJ on the offense and Traven Howard on the defense. All right, fair enough. Been an absolute pleasure having you on, Jake. Really great discussion, great depth, lots of draft talk, all the things I love. Uh, tell folks again where they can find your work and your Twitter handle. Absolutely can. I'm pretty sure you and I could go on for hours talking, but uh, for sure, <laughs> you know, uh, you can follow me at JK Bogan. Uh, you can find all my links uh, in the description on uh, my page. But Ken, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, it, regardless of what happens with this game, 
you know, I have tremendous amount of respect for the Ravens. Uh, they're a team that I've had a lot of respect for, and I definitely don't hold 2019 against you. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, uh, folks out there, if you want to do a 25 years episode, around, this will be the last time I even talk about it here. But uh, looking back at Ravens history, we've done a lot of these shows, narrow topics, something we can get into deeply in 25 minutes. Send me a DM. Uh, they're open on Twitter and I'll get right back to you. Uh, Jake, thanks again for coming on. Great show. We really appreciate having you. Absolutely, Ken. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.